Action Park Media. Welcome to Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. And I am, unfortunately, Kevin Connolly. Why is that filling unfortunate? In, filling in for Kevin Dillon again, who... Is that the racetrack? I don't think you're really a fill-in anymore. You're now, you're Kevin Connolly At in the point, room. I might have to start getting paid as an individual. What about putting you on the poster now? Like, do we get a, like, what's a you're great not even picture? On the, you're not even on the poster. <laughs> At least my name's on it, so they know I'm there. And, you know, now we got this new thing. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm interested in talking about this because I'm doing Hollywood Ways, which everyone just, you know. Yes, it was a bit. Kevin and I battling about Action Park. Me, of course, yeah, we're well, doing well, it here. Of course. But I mean, we there's had a mix little, it in there, with, was, there was a couple moments. That you were <laughs> pissed at me here and there. You didn't talk to me for a week or so, but that, yeah, that's, but that's normal. I mean, that's, right, that's we've that's had a thousand I, of those. Things. But now Connolly is actually going to be some, forgetting as a producer, he may speak a little bit on Hollywood Ways. He was excellent in our first recording. You were absolutely excellent. Well, that's really what I wanted to do for Victor. You wanted to just be kind of like kind of in the booth and whatever you need, if you need a thought or whatever it is. And and then it just took on a life of its own. But I would like to be, do that for Hollywood Ways and just I'd like to be uh, Gary. You felt, you, you call me. I want to be um, who's the Rogan guy? Jamie. Call off to Jamie. Jamie's got the info on the computer. Or I mean, you felt very good at it. I'm excited. That's going to air right after Labor Day is the plan. Ooh, now. So, got a Doug Ellen release date for Hollywood Ways. Yeah, right after Labor Day. So, and and, Connelly, and you're going to tag Action Park Media. I do tag Action Park Media. So now, oh, that's another thing. So Connolly doesn't really understand, which is fine. I'll do both. I don't care. He doesn't understand that the tag goes on the picture. He now wants the Action Park Media name on everything I, I want write. It added. Which is fine. By the way, I'll fucking spray paint it spray over paint. people's faces. Whatever I have to do. Kevin, he's now, hopefully, but I want everyone out there to convince him to activate his own powerful Instagram gotta, account. Well, I'm going to start doing it to promote our live shows. 276,000 people. We're doing some live shows. And uh, the Bray Improv is just the beginning. So I'm going to get out and start. Though. I'm going to use you. that because you're excited. promoting something specific. All right. First yes. of all, Stock Tip Dave, happy birthday. Guess how old Stock Tip Dave is today? 31. 40. Wow. Stock Tip Dave, the big 4-0. Good hair so, on a 40-year-old. Good hair. I wonder. I wonder <laughs> if it is. I wonder if it is. <laughs> is it real? I don't, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't did know. He, I did he not, see Dr. Zeri? He did not. I don't think he's a Dr. Zeri page. But regardless, <laughs> on behalf of everybody at Action Park Media and Victory of the Podcast, Stock Tip Dave, happy 40th. Birthday. Happy a big 40th birthday. birthday. And then after a mutual friend of ours had a bad car accident, Danny, Danny Musico, Musico, who is who is uh, a great boxing trainer. Yeah, and, we used uh, to work out with him during the entourage days. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you ever see my left hook, thank Danny Musico for that. But anyway, Danny, we hope you're getting well. He's in the hospital back east and uh, everyone yeah. be safe out there. He'll be all right. He's a strong guy. Malcolm McDowell, we got coming on today. I mean, that's awesome. Malcolm McDowell was a great get for us. I was writing this part and I said to Sheila, I said, you think we could get like Malcolm McDowell or Terrence Stamp? And I don't remember exactly how it went down, but all of a sudden I get this call. Malcolm McDowell like wants to have lunch. Right. And I love the guy before I met him. It's funny because he couldn't have anything less in common with the guys for the crew from Entourage, but he fit right in. I mean, he, yeah, but he probably has more in common from back in his days. I mean, Malcolm Charles, you know, he's been he around. was a Vince. He was a Vince. We're going to talk to him about some of that stuff. You know, well. but uh, so what happened is to, to get him, like I got nervous. You got to have this lunch meeting and I brought Connolly well, as like my meeting. star it power. A dinner was it dinner? We, we, by the way, Koi. Well, did we go to Koi? I think we went to Koi. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. So, so anyway, for anyone who doesn't know, Koi is to me where the show really 
really worked was Connolly and and Jeremy at Coy was in the pilot. Right. And when we shot that scene, I was like, we got something special here. So anyway, I I, I do remember now. We took Malcolm McDowell to <laughs> yes. Coy. And it turns out uh, he had some history with Jeremy. Yeah, I, I don't know how because they're he you know, obviously you know Piven looks really good, but Malcolm's just definitely a generation older. So I don't know where where they work together. We should ask him about that. Well, I know sure. what they. I know they had a show back to back shows on ABC. Oh, yeah. So oh, Malcolm oh. did uh, uh, Fantasy Island, and Jeremy was doing Cupid. So they were airing back to back. So they probably did. Yeah, press you know when things. you do those those network shows, you end up on junkets, and you end up becoming tight with your other network uh, colleagues. But they had a weird, uh, yeah. always had a weird tension that worked so well for the show. Of course, it worked so well for the show. And they're both great actors who uh, are smart enough to use that and play into it. But I, I still always thought like it felt like there was history. I don't know. I don't. Know. So like, are you going to grill them? I'd like to. I don't grill them, but like I think we, we talk about the the early days. But but before we get into this, and I I, I promise this Uh-oh. is the last time I'm going to talk about this. And I know this is not your fault oh because God. I know that you really wanted to help me out. But I mean, and and I'm, I sound like a broken record, but I want my chair, dude. <laughs> All right. What, just I mean, so like, uh, I mean, for anyone seriously. who doesn't know what happens and what's so interesting about Connolly, I know Connolly appreciates and respects all of my efforts. Oh, but and I, I and I know you believe that you were, that that chair was going to get signed. This is not on you. No, but I you but, brokered the deal. Exactly. What I was about, what I was about to say is Kevin has this this way. First of all, I never in a million years imagined this chair wouldn't get signed. I still believe right. it was. But I knew my efforts, I'd get, I'd get blamed, which he's saying he's not blaming me, but you'll hear at least nine well, times. Well, where, well, where is it? I don't know. Did you train with this guy today? No, John's in Dublin, Ireland. He's not here. He's fucking gone. ran out of town. So my chair's floating around the Beverly Hills Hotel? I, 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 can't, I, I wish I could give you an honest assessment and an answer. What I can tell you is, John and I, you know when you have that connection with someone where you feel like you're best your friends? buddies. I felt like John and I were best friends after he saw my guillotine move in right. jiu-jitsu class. And we after were you saw we, your hat fall off and you scared <laughs> him. <laughs> but we were WhatsApping each other. And, and then he went cold on you? He's ghosted me. It has not been read. It has not been seen in at least seven days. Wow. When my simple question well, how was, about a, how about a straight, luck with the chair? How about a straight text? No, no, it was a straight text. But that like through WhatsApp. Text. Well, it's I don't different. Think, I don't always look at my WhatsApp. I don't think you understand WhatsApp. If you're European, if you live right. in Ireland. You're, you're communicating. Yeah, WhatsApp, WhatsApp is your communication. Like, man, it's crazy. So I would have that's to say, crazy. here's my my thought, and I don't want Kavanaugh coming after me because he's an animal. But I think he saw the message, and he and he, I think the chair is is there's a problem. <laughs> Do you really think there's a problem? Like, I what? don't know what else to say. Right, listen, here's, here's but I don't want any. I, I'm not I, involved in. Here's this. my well. <laughs> You might be a little bit involved in it. I can I tell I want to tell the audience though. There is no doubt Kevin Connolly is going to block me on Instagram in the no, next month I mean, over this chair. Connor and I, I might have to fucking jump Connor when he's hurt. <laughs> I'll fucking kick him right in that leg while before he can do anything. No, I need to explain something to everyone out there. I know you don't believe this. I know you don't get this. I know you think E, who was based on me, is soft. Kevin Connolly will tell Conor McGregor to go fuck himself. I, I'm, I'm going to ask joking. him where's my chair because once he hands, he, I, would, oh, I hope he hits me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, it'd be great. We, I'd be canceling all live podcast shows and going on a nice vacation. Would you in Europe rather? Would you rather? I would um, rather have my chair back. And and here's no. Here's, but would you rather go up to Connor while he's uh, got this cast from this serious ankle injury, or would you rather wait till he's fully healthy and go? I want my fucking chair. Which one well, would you I rather? I wouldn't say I want my fucking chair, but if I'm going to approach him, it would definitely be when he's in. <laughs> 
I'm very really, injured. Like, like I could probably run away from him. <laughs> Who knows? He probably tracked me down with that fucking. Here's my problem with with what Kavanaugh did. <laughs> if you know, a, a perfectly acceptable explanation or answer could have been, "Hey, Kev, you know, Connor, whatever, he's busy. He's, you know, I, I don't want to take your chair because, God forbid, you know, I know you. That, like, uh, honestly, I need to. Do you, do, you, to do you understand what I'm I saying? I do, but I want to recap for everybody so they totally get what we're saying. In case they didn't listen to an episode, Kevin Connolly went to the uh, the, the Khabib, McGregor, Khabib fight. McGregor fight. Melee broke out, and Kevin Connolly walked out with a chair, which is a beautiful, it's a beautiful steel. It's, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a perfect, commemorative chair. Commemorative chair. But he also a had a Get fight. it back to L.A. They went to a club. He brought it to the club. People make fun of Connolly. I, I got abused yeah. the rest of the weekend. My point is, if he didn't know for sure, he could have just said, listen, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, Kev, would you mind getting Leo to sign this Titanic hat? I would go, oh, man, Leo, he's all over the place, whatever. I don't want to take your hat. I, honestly, I don't want to be responsible for it. I would just say no if I didn't know I could get it done. Yeah. But not only did he have us drop stock tip Dave had to drive to the Beverly Hills hotel to drop the chair off. And now the chair is missing the chair is missing. and he's in Dublin. He's in Dublin. Yeah. So what do I have to do? Go to the Beverly Hills hotel concierge. I you mean, might have to go to Dublin. I don't have the answer. I, mean, man, I, I, I don't know. Up. Can I tell you though, something really interesting about this? Because it's rare that I get any tips from you that I use in my, in my life outside of, of, of victory, the podcast, right. action park media, Hollywood ways, whatever you want to call it. But we had this conversation on the phone and then somebody asked me if I could get something from, Russell Wilson, which I'm pretty sure I could do. Right. But you understand that if you commit to it, it could be complicated. Who knows, right? Yeah, but normally what I do is I waste my time and my energy to get things delivered for someone else that does nothing for me that and they would never don't do appreciate And if it anyway. was in reverse, they wouldn't do it for Probably. You. Right. So what I, I literally said, I got to be honest with you, Russell doesn't respond to my messages anymore. That's it. I, right. I, I, normally I would have been embarrassed to even say that, that this right. guy who uh, used to be a very close friend of mine, when I ask him to be on this podcast, does not respond to my messages, which is honestly, it's almost criminally insane given right. the fact that he used to ask me to get all of you guys to tweet out his stuff, but he doesn't, he doesn't respond. So I, when's the last time you text Russell Wilson? I mean, I texted him when we started the podcast and I sent him a clip of us talking. He said, Oh my God, love it. Said, we need to get you on ASAP. And he, he, he ghosted me. Right. This is an well, old maybe I'll DM friend. Russell. I'm going to DM Russell Wilson. And we also got to make a play at Josh Gad, who thankfully confirmed Via Twitter, yeah, that it was not me, which yeah. we knew. Yeah, well, he already confirmed that it was Adrian. Sorry right. to say. I, by the way, I got a couple of jerkoffs who said that we were nasty to not stick up for Adrian. Number one, we did stick up for Adrian. Well, first of all, they didn't let, listen to the podcast. Let me be clear though: there's no sticking up or not. If Adrian did do that, I have nothing to stick up for. I can say that it's hard for me to believe he would do it. Right? We stuck. We stuck just, up for Adrian. You know, I we mean, I, and I, more I, importantly, Josh Gad's not mad at Adrian. I think yeah. Josh Gad said in an interview, "What? Well, we're going to make a play." And, at and Josh more Gad. important, it's more likely that we're going to get Josh Gad on this podcast than we are Adrian. So to be honest, that's, you, that's the crazy. Uh, but thing. I need to say, I don't owe anybody a goddamn thing. There's nobody who did Entourage, greatest actors in the world, thought everybody was my good friend, but I don't owe anybody a damn thing. Right. So, and anybody that thinks that we didn't have Adrian's back didn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, but I also have Gad's back. I mean, I would I would not be happy if I was performing and yeah, someone got on their he phone. Yeah, so, nice, he was very nice so, about it. And listen, Adrian's a man. He can either say it didn't happen or he can apologize to Josh and we can hopefully get Josh on the podcast to say, was he being funny? Was it? Did it really throw him off that bad and right. you know it would throw me off i mean i've been i in my stand-up days Jesus. i mean, <laughs> I mean I, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna start cutting out any reference to stand-ups <laughs> until you send more than a 60 second clip for us to put on the action park media page and youtube page which is up by the way if you want to start watching live episodes. i'm, I'm, gonna Doug, I'm sorry i'm sorry i, I yeah. have to close this out the chair 
bits aside, we joke. What where, do we do? Where do you think the chair is? I think the chair is at the concierge at the Beverly Hills. Right. So if I went to the concierge, or even better, stock tip Dave went to the, because I'll look like a jerk off. <laughs> oh, how you doing? Uh, what the chair here for Connor? Yeah, Connor left me a chair. What if the chair is there and it's signed? Then I feel bad. What if it's yeah, like, yeah. hey, Kev. Then you will have to do the same thing that Adrian should do to Josh Gad. Which would be if it happened, apologize. apologize. Right. I would. And I'll be happy to apologize. Yeah. I just I just think it's weird. We don't I look at Kavanaugh as as an honorable, good well, jujitsu well, trainer. Like right, now, that would, in, uh, now that we're both in the. Now that we both. Both get in the uh, right. on the mat and right. roll he's, around. You're yeah. a wimp and he's a warrior. Um, <laughs> whatever. So and, everyone and, knows and, what and that is. So that's stupid. his program. So stupid, but like I should have just not. I, you know, maybe I have to take responsibility. I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have sent that chair to the Beverly Hills Hotel because it's not rocket science. He's the guy's coach. He could have just walked up to him and said, "Connor, just fucking throw your signature on here, Doug. You sent me that clip of Connor signing all those posters. We've done it. It takes two seconds." So, I, I look, whatever. Here's what I believe. Two things. There's no way the chair is gone forever. You'll get the chair back. Well, how? Guys in Dub, what, 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 nah, when, we, when we, he's better in a year and he's fighting, and you know, I don't know. Like we can get the chair back. The signature thing is well, what. If the, it, look, if, the, if he didn't get the signature, then that just is what it is. But I would like my property back. <laughs> you guys stole my property. By the way, you know, I don't know how it works because he's Irish, but uh, I, I mean, he's from Ireland, but it's a felony. That chair's That's worth it. over 750 right? I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. So anyway, Kavanaugh, right, you might have a that. warrant out for your arrest Kavanaugh, when you arrive. Give me that fucking chair. We will be back after the break. With but- another great. I think he's Irish. I mean, he's from England, but isn't he? He's, uh, well, he's you're not allowed to say he's Irish, but he's fucking Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell I mean- after the break. Welcome back, Victory the Podcast. This is, I, I honestly, it's a treat for me. When legend was, in the house. Legend when I, when house. I was writing the script and I had said to, I said to Sheila Jaffe, our casting director, I said, I got this part. Is there any way to get Malcolm McDowell or Terrence Stamp? That's what I said. And I don't know if you knew Sheila, our casting director or what, but she said, Malcolm would, would love to have a dinner with you. And I was like, oh, I was kind of shocked. And I was a little nervous. So I brought Connolly to that dinner. Anyway, Maybe Malcolm McDowell. Buffer. Do you remember that, uh, that dinner we went to with Connolly back in the day? Wasn't Piven part of that? Yes, he was. It was Piven. Yeah, it, it was part of it. I didn't bring Piven as the buffer, though. I brought Piven because the instantaneous tension between the two of you was there, and it feels like it's still here, and you just did his podcast. Listen, he just wants to talk about himself. He doesn't need a guest. (laughs) You know, his brilliant stand-up, which I've never seen, and I I hope for his sake it's funny. Well, we want to talk about you. I mean, you have been in my life for my whole life. I mean, Clockwork Orange, Blue Thunder. You know what a movie, like an underrated movie that I've seen so many times was Cat People when I was growing up. Tell me how, uh, just a little bit about how you got started in England and what made you get into this career and want to do this. Where it all started for me being an actor was when I was 11 years old at a public school, which is a boarding school. And uh, the headmaster was looking for somebody to um, be the lead in this Christmas musical. And I uh, had no idea about this, but uh, we were in church and I was so bored with these services but I love the hymns. I used to belt them out and um, I didn't realize he was behind me. And so I got called in to do it, rehearsing it and doing it. And um, I'm feeling sick in the wings before the first performance. And then I remember walking on the stage and the lights hitting me and I felt completely at home. Um, it was uh, to the manner born, as they say. And uh, so I always thought in my mind somewhere, if all else failed, I'll become an actor, you know, um, because one has the arrogance of youth 
And, um, you know, you have no idea really um, how difficult the whole thing is, you know. But um, listen, um, I've been very lucky, you know, I've worked with some great people. And I went on actually... um, I was a coffee salesman and I had a girlfriend who went to get, in Liverpool, she went to get elocution lessons because she talked like that, you know, like the Beatles and everything's up at the end, you know, like that. (laughs) So um, I had that problem because I went to school in the south of England. And, uh, but I went along with her because um, this woman sounded fascinating. Her name, Harold Ackley, and she was a uh, elocution drama teacher. And by the way, I got to learn many years later that her other, one of her other clients or pupils was Rita Tushingham. And when I found out at a dinner party, we roared with laughter. Oh, we had fun finding that out. So Malcolm, I remember when, you know, whenever we would get somebody of your stature on, on set, you know, uh, I would always like, cause I'm a, I, I like movies and I, you know, I would kind of pick your brain and Obviously, the the obvious one is Clockwork Orange, but you turned me on to an early movie that you did, and it was called If. Of course, you don't remember telling me this, but you told me, you said, you should go find this movie and check it out. Now, If, I I guess it's in the late 60s. It's probably before Clockwork Orange. It actually won the Palm Palm Dior at Cannes, but it's about these, like, kids that take over a boarding school. Am I right? Yes, a revolution in a... In a boarding school, in a public school. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it is it is downright. I mean, it, it it's hardcore. Is it, a, is it a movie like that that catches the eye of somebody like Stanley Kubrick? Is it or or was that train already rolling? Was that because to me, I looked at that and that was a star making turn. Where, where, where does that fall into the Stanley saw that movie? Now, this was told to me by Stanley's widow. So he'd well passed, but I'm still uh, stay friends with Christiana. And um, I don't know, we were doing one of those, you know, things, Kubrick celebrations or whatever. But when we were having dinner, she said, oh, Malcolm, you know, you know how he cast you. And I said, no, actually, I don't, because he never told me. She said, oh, no, no, we wanted to see this film if that was everyone was talking about. And, um, you know, Stanley had a projectionist on um, on on site the whole time at his house, and he got movie sent over from Paramount, and he watched it, and we watched it together. And you did your first entrance, your first scene. He pushed the intercom and said, uh, "Relace that, start again." He said he did it four times. Um, at the end of the fourth time, he looked at me and he said, "We found our Alex." Wow! And of course, um, I didn't know that. And then, uh, you know, all I knew was that um, I had a call to go meet with him, you know. And um, I was shooting a movie at the time right in Boreham Wood. And he happened to live in Boreham Wood because that's where uh, MGM Studios were, where he made 2001, which, of course, is um, another one of Stanley's great classics. Yeah, just so everyone knows, Stanley Kubrick, one of the great filmmakers of all time, 2001. Probably, Probably number one. I mean, I you know, obviously there. everyone's opinion, but Clockwork Orange is, is a classic that, you know, we've we've talked about many times here. So go on. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got a call to go meet with him. So I went in my lunch hour and um, he was down the road and we had a he took me into a tiny, tiny little room and um, we just chit chat, you know, shooting the breeze for 45 minutes. And then I said, I, listen, I, I got to get back on set. Uh, was there anything particular you wanted to talk to me about? <laughs> and I could see he was nervous. And he goes, yeah, well, uh, I have this book. Uh, I go, oh, what's it called? 
And I could tell that he didn't like to tell me the name. Reluctant, but he did because, of course, that's why I was there. And he said, have you ever heard of Clockwork Orange? And I went, no. He goes, you haven't? I went, no. <laughs> he said, oh, it's, it's a, a cult movie. Um, a lot of people know it. I went, okay. Cult um, book. like you to read it and call me. I went, okay. So I went off, did the shot, you know, uh, did my thing. And anyway, I, I started to read this book and I struggled through the first time I read it, to be honest. I had to refer to the glossary at the back for all this weird language and stuff. And so uh, the first read was a very disjointed thing and I really couldn't get a sense of it. So I read it again and um, I thought to myself, Jesus, uh, how the fuck are they going to make this movie? (laughs) I mean, this is impossible. I mean, how the hell? Anyway, uh, I thought, look, I better read it one more time before I call it. And and then I realized, holy crap, what an incredible part. I mean, Jesus. Um, so I called him. This is now a week had gone by. And, um, you know, um, I think he expected me to call him within a day or two. But um, I really wanted to make sure I knew. Now, I'll preface all this with the fact that I had met with um, a, a wonderful actor called Ian Home, And Ian had told me, uh, I met him on the street, actually, and I hadn't seen him. We we were at um, Stratford-on-Avon together with the Royal Shakespeare Company. But, you know, Ian Holm was a great actor, no yeah. question about it. One of the finest actors I ever saw on a stage was Ian. And um, he was absolutely riveting. And I watched his performances from the wings every night at Stratford. But, and I saw him on the street, and I was we were chatting away. I went, yeah, you know, just got this book from this director. He goes, oh, yeah, who? And I went, uh, Stanley Kubrick. He uh, he goes, I saw him react. Why? Do you know him? He goes, you watch out with him. I went, why? He goes, spent 18 months developing this Napoleon thing, and then suddenly I couldn't even get him home. He didn't call me. Uh, I, I, You know, the numbers I had were, you know, disconnected. <laughs> I went, you're kidding. He would do that? He goes, oh, yeah, be careful. So having that, that, that I met in, in that week. So uh, having said that, when I called him back, I knew this. So I said, I read the book. He goes, great. What do you think? I said, I think it's absolutely incredible. Are you going to make a movie of it? He goes, yeah. And I went, okay. Um, do you want me to play the part? Now, you know, an actor doesn't say that to a director normally. Um, but um, because I'd heard what Ian had been through, um, I just thought I'd better nail it, you know, and, Say, look, we're wasting our time. Well, what am I going to do here? And there was a long pause. And he said very quietly, yes. And that was it. <laughs> so, Malcolm, I mean, Stanley Kubrick is known, I don't know this for sure, obviously, as obsessive perfectionist. What was that like shooting with him? I mean, I've heard dozens and dozens of takes. Or- you know, I, I honestly, I don't think he was a perfectionist at all. I mean, very far from it. No, I would never say that about Stanley. Yeah, I mean, look, I asked him once, how do you direct? You know, listen, I'd worked with the magnificent director, Lindsay Anderson, who I still consider the best director I ever worked with, including Stanley. Um, Lindsay, to me, was just the greatest actor's director. He was incredible and very nurturing. If you ask him a question, he'd answer it, and you'd discuss it for an hour. You know, 
he would get to the bottom of it. And with Stanley, that was the antithesis. Stanley didn't want to hear a thing about it. He could care less about the character. That was not his department. That was <laughs> your, you were cast. Get on with it. Now, you know, there's a certain wonderful free, freedom that comes with that. And, um, you know, of course, uh, now I see it, you know, but uh, 50 years later at, at the time, I was a little bemused, you know, but I did ask him how he directed. He goes, well, Malcolm, I'll tell you, I don't know what I want, but <laughs> I do know what I don't. Wow. And that was a very profound statement. And of course, he was right. Um, he didn't know what he wanted. And sometimes, for instance, the singing in the rain sequence, five days, the camera did not turn. Nothing happened. Uh, he wouldn't shoot anything if it wasn't golden. If it wasn't magic, forget it. He wouldn't turn the camera. There's no point because <laughs> he wouldn't use it. So, um, and he had the luxury of who he was that he could, you know, take his time and he wasn't really bound by, you know, severe scheduling problems and all that although you know he did he told me that he he only, he only did the uh, clockwork orange because he wanted to prove to the business that he could make a budget film and come in on budget unlike 2001 that of course broke every you know, budget restraint there was because he was doing something that was totally unknown so you know, they, they had no idea what it was going to cost. So after Clockwork comes out, though, is that life-changing for you? I mean, ultimately, yeah, it was. Um, it was interesting. Um, I think it was more life-changing for me when If came out. Mm -hmm. Because If took me from, you know, um, scratching around, getting what I could, um, certainly not playing leads in movies, um, doing the odd television for the BBC uh, did a series for ATV and all that, and but not very good. Um, you know, the writing wasn't great. Um, so when I got to work with Lindsay, um, it was just in a whole different league. Here was a man who was uh, a, a very great director, but also had a great artistic sense, um, a, a sense of, you know, the time in which we were in and reflecting it on the screen. And, um, you know, he, he was very, very careful to cast. I mean, you know that, how important that is. And, but he, he once told me that it's 90%, you know, doing the piece is really the casting. And if that's not right, then you're in real trouble, you know, right. so take your time and get it right. So, and, and, and that's for us. We were obviously so fortunate to have you and you had some history with Jeremy because you both, as I remember it, you both were on ABC shows at the same time together. You were doing fantasy Island and he was doing Cupid. Yeah. So did you guys have yeah. interactions at press conferences or, or what? No, I think, no, I just kept saying, geez, I wish we had a better fucking run in, you know, with something. <laughs> I'm sure he said the same thing, you know, Jeez, this old lame show they got going here. Um, <laughs> so you were not a Fantasy Island fan, the reboot. Jeremy threw John Cusack. And I'd met them in London, and we had a very fun time screwing around in London uh, with Paul Hip, another friend of ours, an actor friend, who's a musician as well. And uh, so um, I got to see the dynamic between Jeremy and John, you know, and... 
I think I said, oh, the last time I knew you were in uh, Cusack's entourage. And he <laughs> I'm looked, sure he loved that. Uh, I, was gonna say. I don't think so. I went, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how I remember it. <laughs> but, you know, Jeremy is like Malvo. He's a figure of you can tease uh, because he's, you know, so into himself. And, and, you know, listen, there's, listen, I could not have hired a better actor to do Ari. He's, that's one of the great performances. And I've always said that, you know, um, he was fantastic in that role. As all the, the chemistry with the boys was fantastic. They were great and made him really, you know, gave him the platform. So it wasn't just, it was an ensemble piece. I'm sure, you know, um, you had a real um, time when you were trying to do the movie. The character of Terrence yeah. and Ari had a natural sort of, uh, you know, there was a natural kind of a, a tension there. And it almost felt like, and now again, you guys are both such, you know, top-notch actors. I always was wondering, like, do these guys, is there some underlying tension? Is this all, because it really worked for the characters. But was there a little bit of tension or were you just constantly kind of like ribbing him and breaking his balls and like kind of ruffling his feathers? Yeah, that was basically it. <laughs> I mean, it was great for me to... Um, tweak his balls, you know, because he was so fucking serious about it. Um, <laughs> Doug and I always laughed about it because it was always so obvious that, like, but the he just had no that, problem about giving him a hard but time. But the thing that really works on screen with these two characters is yeah. you oh. really do intimidate him. And Jeremy Ari on the show is the king of whatever room he's in. And when you walk in instantaneously, which is not an easy thing to do, you just bring it where we feel that he is actually got this real fright of you. So he's on he, his back foot. He but do you use that back. in your acting, Malcolm, or is it just, you know what? That's what I bring as myself or I wanted to feel it. Of course it's acting. I mean, um, you know, you'd written a beautiful part, two great parts. Terrence, I mean, you could have a whole series about him. For sure. I mean, he's a fantastic character. I mean, he is Shakespearean. Absolutely. Honestly. I mean, I tried. I mean, there's scenes when I watched with you guys. I you watched a regular Shakespeare. <laughs> that scene of me firing him is one of the funniest, most wonderfully delicious Shakespearean pieces that I remember. And uh, I love the way that I don't know who who directed that one, but. Um, just that scene of coming out in the room with all the people. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, Julian and Farino in did the, the room and and writing the zero on passing. I mean, it's brilliant. No, you you. Um, Conley will appreciate you, me at some. You get uh, the skeleton of that character so well that honestly, and I didn't feel like I was like guesting. You know, it's hard guesting is sucks really because you know you have to get through the whole thing of everyone being an ensemble and being family you know and you're kind of outside of that it's really kind of weird but but um no i i just love that part you did 11 episodes of the show and you know really uh, you had a really good stretch over the, over the years was it was a fun fun experience for you was a fun show to work on absolutely fun yeah no it was great i mean um it was totally great yeah i loved it i loved it in fact well it's one of the ground breaking shows on television a let's face it one of the great um television comedies and it's one that they hold up you know is this as good as entourage and very few are um you know i did this um other series called mozart in the jungle which is comparable 
in stature. Totally different shows, but um, in my mind, in terms of the writing, it was really superb writing as well. Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, you don't get many, you know, that is that good. And um, I don't know how long you guys went on for, but it was a lot of you had eight good seasons run. and a failed it, film. Yeah, eight. No, I don't think. It was I don't think it was failed. You know, I wouldn't look at it that way. Um, I mean, it was failed in that, you know, Terrence was not part of it. <laughs> it's but, true. Um, I think, honestly, that it just waited too long. You know, it's like people had moved on. And I think it was sad. I, you know, um, it's not sad. Listen, it's it's a groundbreaking show. It's there forever. So, you, you know, I mean, listen, nobody really thinks about the movie. You think about, the seasons it was on and what you were doing when you were watching it, where your life was at. It's one of those. It's, uh, you know, uh, equivalent of The Sopranos, you know, in drama, but this isn't comedy. It's that important. So, you know, I think it's, it's um, I think you guys did such an incredible job. All of, all the cast were great, you know. I mean, everybody. You yeah. took your time and you really can. I mean, it was important so, for us to have everyone be that perfect guy and you were and and the scene that to me I love the firing scene but the scene that stands out to me that I remember so well is in the bat mitzvah episode when you go to the house and you haven't been around in a while and like you said being a guest star A is difficult but making an entrance is difficult and you show up at his house with a I forget what it was a $50,000 check which is really a way of saying I'm back in the business but you take over instantaneously and I just wonder aside from the comfort of behind the scenes with the cast did you just walk on and go I'm gonna dominate this man in this scene or what do you say to yourself no I don't think that listen you had written the scene this is what your intention was I mean my responsibility is to the writer not to the actors not to the director on the television. It's to the writer. And so, you know, um, I will uh, interpret it as I think the writer has written it. And it's as simple as that. I mean, um, I don't try and do anything uh, to exert any other kind of influence. Of course, I try to make it watchable. <laughs> I mean, I, I my choices are to in- entertain people, you know, um, it's no good being realistic. Who wants realism? That's fucking boring. <laughs> you got to heighten things and give it a little pizzazz. And, you know, you give me a character like Terrence, who's the head of an agency. And, you know, he must be some fucking character to be the head of an agency. Let's face it. <laughs> you don't get that great stories. And um, so, you know, um, and by the way, it, it wasn't really based on anything that, that I knew, um, at all. It, it was purely, um, your writing and, and my, me filling it out. And, um, I didn't have, uh, anyone in mind really, but I didn't need it. You know, it was much more fun. I know some agents have claimed I played them. It's all bullshit, you know? No, it is. To be honest with you, I don't know a single uh, English agent that is in this town. And I just I don't I don't know what made me think of it. But from the second you came on, it felt right. And it felt you had this power that, again, I I don't you know, you bring it with you. So I don't know how exactly uh, you do that. But you did it clearly and efficiently from second one. And I could feel Jeremy is off kilter from minute one in that backyard scene when you walk in there, you know, he told me on his podcast. He used to sit on the set like this 
just going, God, God, I don't think I, God, I can't stand it. <laughs> I went, geez. I said, well, uh, all I can say is, Jeremy, that uh, I helped you with your performance. So <laughs> you should, okay? Let's put it that. I sure. mean, um, were you familiar with the show before we called you? Did you know it? It was not to pass on. In fact, I passed on. But but uh, I can tell you now because it's funny. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, but um, I think I was in the second season, wasn't I? Is it, is it the second season? Yep. Yep. Because I remember my age, I said, who wants to see another thing about Hollywood? <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to be in that. Um, no, thanks. And then. Um, I was having dinner with my son, Charlie, who's now a director. Big time director. And I said, huh? He's a big time director. He's doing real good stuff. Pretty good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I said, yeah, well, there was something called Entourage. And he went, Entourage? You, you were off an Entourage? I went, well, yeah, why? He goes, Dad, are you kidding me? You, you call your agent and, and tell him you want to do it. <laughs> I went, well, I, uh, okay. You really? He goes, Dad, it is such a cool show. That's awesome. So the next called and said, hey, uh, did you uh, did you call those people at Entourage? He went, no. <laughs> I was waiting for you to call back. <laughs> I went, oh, That's good. Great. Because um, I'm great. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's great. And I, and how was the reaction? Like, did you get a big reaction to it? And, and were you in the States at the time after we finished? Or did you go back to England or what? Yeah, I got a. I mean, uh, people love that character, you know. Uh, I, I I didn't, I wasn't in England. I didn't go back to England for a while. So by the time I got back to England, they kind of forgot me, you know. But yeah. um, <laughs> in, in the States, people loved it. And uh, it would always, oh, especially in New York, my God. And of course, all the guys, they went nuts. I'm sure they could barely walk down the street in New York without being mobbed. Yeah, but, back in um, the day, it was pretty was wild. Just, people were screaming out of cabs. And I was like, what? <laughs> Jesus. And, you know, I mean, I was onto something else by then. But um, no, I, I'm so proud of um, being part of that family, your family. Um, it's something I will always treasure. So it's great. Yeah. And, and knowing the guys, you know, that was uh, so much fun. They were really, really good at what they did. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, honestly, it was a thrill for us. I mean, and and we were lucky to have you, lucky to have you today. I mean, uh, you know, there's some actors when, uh, when I would get to think about who I could get, people that I grew up idolizing, it was amazing to have you and, and to have you so down to earth too. And to watch again. Connolly and I, I have I talked just, about I that loved, dinner. I love the Piven tension. We, oh, guys, I just thought it was funny and I, I never could put my finger on him. Like, <laughs> these guys like each other? Do they not like each other? <laughs> Malcolm really seems to be breaking his balls. Maybe they're good friends. Well, I they just know. did a movie together, though. So how was that now? In 2021, you're doing a movie together. How was that? Well, it was fine. I mean, you know, um, I saw, I didn't even know he was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you mean was, what? Uh, till till after uh, he's filmed with him or what? I, I didn't even know he was still doing movies. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, I know. and um, it was Terrence Howard starring in it, of course, a very great actor. And um, But I didn't have any scenes with him. So when I get to New Orleans, I, I was away in Mexico and I came, flew in and, and straight up to uh, New Orleans. And um, I get the first call sheet and I look at it and I went, oh, Pip, <laughs> that's, uh, I was like, you know, hey, 
I'm a professional actor. I can work with anybody. Are you kidding? <laughs> so there was no happy reunion. You guys, I'm I'm a New Orleans guy. I went to Tulane. There was no uh, hurricanes together. I mean, or, or what? You guys did not go uh, for drinks or dinner? No, it was a work thing. You know, um, I, I don't really find the Piven a really a, a great hang. You know, um, I really, we're not talking about him. And there's, there's really nothing to talk about. Um <laughs> It's an amazing thing, Malcolm, and you've probably seen more than me. Like, we've got one of the great businesses in the world that if you're lucky enough to succeed in and get paid in, it's hard to imagine why you'd be such a miserable asshole when you are on the set. But have you yeah. dealt with a lot of a lot of real difficult people? I, I've been lucky for the most part. Most of the people I've worked with have been most of the people. But have you dealt with a lot of that? No, I, I'd say that I'd say, you know, and I wouldn't even put Piven in that. He's not like that. I think Piven is, is you know, I don't put him in that um, category at all. But, you know, David Caruso was a bit hard to take. I mean, um, and, you know, he'd been given an incredible opportunity. I mean, he was good. I, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's yep. television pulp. You know, that's, <laughs> it's not. And so we're not doing that. And by the way, you know, I do um, find it funny when, um, you know, people like to refer to themselves as artists. You know, we're not artists. We are craftsmen at the very best because we're interpreting somebody else's vision, you know. So, but um, honestly, I've never really um, had a bad experience. And, you know, I've worked with great actors who, have been known to fly off, you know, Olivier. Um, but I find, found him to be extraordinary, one of the most extraordinary experiences as a young actor I could have possibly had. And he's still the only actor I've ever worked with that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. While you're performing I, with him? While I'm performing with him, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, just amazing. Uh, absolutely terrifying. So Connolly didn't and, do that for you in any of your scenes together? <laughs> no, well, Connolly has his, you know, he has his charm, of course. Um, <laughs> but I'm not making the back ear, the hair of the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. He's no, got his Irish no. charm, his lucky charms, we know. But I, I, can tell, but I can tell you this, Malcolm, yeah, you got- were, for real, one of the most pleasurable people to be around. You were phenomenal to have on the show, and you gave us, honestly, you gave us a lot of credibility. Like, you were our, you know, you were our big go-to gun. Yeah, because that, like, that was season two. It was season, season two. Season two, like, we were setting the stage for, yo, we got yeah, real I was like, how the fuck here. did they get Malcolm McDonald? Right. to come on this show and right. it was honestly it was a thrill it still is and it's crazy to think that that was almost 15 years ago that we sat down at that dinner at Koi because it feels like yesterday and we really have referred to that dinner many times since and yeah. uh it was great to see you and reminisce you. a little bit and uh you know who knows maybe i'll maybe i'll write to, uh, again one day and we'll do something again together because it really was a thrill for me and uh and Kylie as well so we thank you Malcolm. Yeah, right time for you to come back Time for you to get going on something else. I like this. You know, this is more. Th- you know what you this, said? You felt at home on is, the stage. I, I do. I even Kali hates it. He laughs at me. But I feel ho- at home when I do this. I don't feel at home in front of a computer. I feel angry and miserable. Writing is a traumatizing thing for Doug because it just takes too long and he's alone and it's a dark. And he, Doug, writing makes Doug depressed. So 
He likes to come in here and 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 laugh. But we'll get we're gonna get him back behind the computer. I don't soon. blame I don't blame you for that. I think writing is the most loneliest, uh, solitary thing you could possibly do. But can be, of course, the most rewarding too. When it works, but, it hey. comes to life, you know. And when you cast the right people, you're right though, because as great as any writing is, a, an actor can destroy it in two seconds, or as you did, really make it so much better than I ever imagined it. So uh, I thank yeah. you again, and we love seeing you. And let's uh, we're a good hang, especially. Con- we're I'm, a not, fun I'm not that great. We're a fun Connolly's a fun hang, but when when you're out here, you know, we'd love to get a drink, get a meal, do something, you know? Well, when the old pandemic's over. For yeah, sure. 20, nice. 2037, <laughs> maybe, hopefully. So Yeah, well, I'll be well gone by then. <laughs> Let's hope not, Malcolm, but thank you thank again. Thank you so much, Malcolm. All right, welcome back, Victory, the podcast. I mean, he's he hasn't changed a bit. I know, it's and funny. The funny thing is, look, I really think his Piven stuff, I think it's a bit. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think he probably likes Piven more than he's... I know he does. Right. I mean, they were great on the set, and he went on his podcast. I, I, I it's think, just fun to... It's He just likes to fucking break Piven's balls. He's got he that knows British it thing, though. He's like, <laughs> he called him an irritant. <laughs> I mean, I mean so- you know, I, I, by the way, I have not, I'm going to, I can't wait to listen to the Malcolm McDowell, uh, Piven, uh, podcast that, that I'm going to check. Yeah, out. definitely check that out. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just, it was cool. I mean, dude, you and I were giggling. See the tricky thing for us in here is, you know, Doug, we are, we, we were always are good to anybody that was on entourage, but you and I are like kind of giggling like school children when he's like <laughs> saying this shit about Piven because I don't know if you just reach a stage in your life where you just don't, you really just don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. And like you will say whatever you want. Yeah. But yeah, man, he don't, he don't, there's no filter there. Uh, by the way, he was like that 15 years ago. But again, even when we were at that dinner at Koi in 2004 or five, five, whatever, he picked on Piven in a way that Piven, I, I don't know, like Piven kind of, def- either way, it definitely worked for the, it worked for the show and it worked for the character. It worked for the so, show. I mean, no the guy, the guy's a legend and everybody out there really, like if you haven't seen a clockwork orange Caligula, um, by the Blue way, this, Thunder, this movie, if, by, if did I, how about that? Did I pull that one out of the hat? That was good. good and that research. was, and that was a true story, you yeah. know, cause uh, you know, you get into talking, you know, he knew that I was into film. So I would say like, what else? And he said, look and he I, I don't know if he brought in a copy but he 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 worked it out and he got me a copy because it was hard to find and i watched this movie and you, you knew you go okay that had that had to play in that clockwork orange i i didn't know that he would confirm that today but you just knew that that had to be what stanley kubrick looked at it and said okay this is our guy because he's vicious in this movie he's vicious yeah, yeah. all right well it, it, I, i'm actually gonna watch if because believe it or not i've never seen it so yeah. i'm gonna check it's, out it could be if. tricky to find but i don't know you, you should look for and it then, and it's then a couple there. other little victory the podcast uh closing tidbits august 29th the brea improv tickets are still available we're doing well but, no we're doing real well because the, they they may add a second show which so nice. um so would be cool so if we get if we get a certain amount over which will be sold out but if we get over a certain amount they'll add a second show which, which will be, be interesting to see if we can uh do two come in a, a second show Can't do two yeah. unlive podcasts in a row we'll see if we can do uh and i'm not comparing levels. us to any of these like broadway actors but like when i've seen carl cugino on oh, boy, broadway that, yeah. and think she does two of them in a day she, it's eight in a week I, it's, I mean, it's nuts mind-boggling right. and even honestly when i saw pivot i saw pivot do david mammoth's play uh before it, before it ended but, uh, listen I, I well we're not going to be singing and dancing and crying on our podcast we're just going to be going out there and 
drinking some beers. That's true. And then the last thing, you got to reach out Josh Gad, who, uh, you know, we had the story that we talked about last week, whether uh, what the real details are. Colin's going to reach out to him. He tweeted at Colin. I'll DM him. We'll see if we can get him on. He responds or he doesn't. You know, but uh, we're big fans and uh, we hope he does. YouTube is up. Our YouTube, the Action Park Media YouTube is up. We got all, we're dropping victory episodes. We just dropped the Piven one yesterday. They're up and running. So uh, go check out the YouTube. Don't just look at it. Subscribe. subscribe. And I'm dead serious. I know I was joking on Instagram. We get a million subscribers on YouTube. I'm telling you right now, there will be an entourage reboot. It will happen and it's growing. The feeling is already growing. I can sense it. I can feel it. But we need all of our fans out there to spread the word. And especially, you know what? If you got a female friend, that likes Entourage or likes us because this is definitely a less vulgar version of the show. You feel the friendships and all the stuff that were important to us when we were doing it. But spread the word, forward some uh, things, get people to subscribe. And anyone who wants to come August 29th, I promise you. It'll be fun. Kevin Dillon, because of his lack of showing up here, is going to have to go overboard at that show. He's going to have to put up a triple-double. I mean, he is going to take a picture with everybody. He may let you draw. He may sit for a sketch if anyone wants it. That's how much he owes us at this fucking point, okay? He's going to be taking a lot of selfies. And we will be back. Uh, Victory the podcast. He's going to be doing a lot of victories. (laughs) I don't know this is the way I am.